Well, this is a special day, not only because it's Father's Day, but I thought we'd do something different, and uh, I want to honor my father. And uh, <laughs> Pastor John, and uh, he's been not only my, my father, but my spiritual, spiritual father to me, and uh, I'm here today because in many ways of his prayers, his love, his support, his guidance, his wisdom, and so I just, I, he, he's worthy of honor, and I want to give him honor this morning. Uh, thank you. And uh, we, we're going to try something different today. We're going to try this tag team sharing because there's a lot on our hearts uh, together. But I, I, I just believe God wants to speak to each and every one of your hearts this morning. Amen. And, uh, and there's just, uh, the Father loves us. The Father, uh, it, it's his pleasure. It's, we are his pleasure. How many know that this morning? We are his pleasure. But before we get to that, uh, there's also a special day for my parents. Today, June 20th, 2021, is their 50th wedding anniversary. Why don't we stand and give them? Yeah. Judy and I are just happy to be celebrating this occasion today and um, are so very grateful that the Lord brought us into each other's life. And um, I, I just feel like I got the very best wife in all the world. And uh, somebody, or I think Carolyn was asking me, what is the best part? And I kept thinking about that. I think it's like asking you which piece of the cake tastes the best. Because it was all good. It was all wonderful. And uh, there were some moments of uh, always of coming, that, coming to agreement in the Lord. And uh, I thank God that I have a woman who loves me, has cared for me, and has agreed with me, and has disagreed with me. Because there were some times I wasn't agreeing with the Lord, and she wouldn't agree with me until I did. And I'm grateful for having a wife who loved me, but who loves God even more, and would stand for him for my sake. And I know that we're here today because I, I just have shared many times, but many years ago, I said, Lord, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing. And I'm asking you to make this choice for me because you know what I really need. And the first time I ever saw this lady, just the side of her face across the room, the Lord says, that is the woman who you will marry. And so he took care of the introductions and the arrangements. And here we are 50 years later. And uh, because there was so much joy and so much happiness, it's just been like a flash of light. But uh, we're just, we just feel extremely blessed. And uh, today, and we're celebrating what God has done for us. And thank you so much for sharing with us in this celebration. Thank you. It's a good looking couple. I don't know. You see how happy she is. And then there's sort of me with this mixed expression on my face. 
And it wasn't because I wasn't happy. It was just because I was about to step on a photographer. Anyway, <laughs> I was a little worried. Anyway, it's awesome. But it was a happy, happy day. Yes. Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with us to uh, John 14. But before we do, I have a story I, that uh, I think is, is relevant to our family's experience for another family that, whose kids desired a pet. And the story goes like this, and it says, the children begged for a hamster. And after the usual fervent vows that they alone would care for it, they got one. How many parents know that, that vow? They named it Danny. Two months later, when, when mom found herself responsible for cleaning and feeding the creature, she located a prospective new home for it. The children, <laughs> Pastor John says outside, the children took the news of Danny's imminent departure quite well. Though one of them remarked, he's been around here a long time. We'll miss him. Yes, mom replied, but he's too much work for one person. And since I'm not that one person, I say he goes. Another child offered, well, maybe if he wouldn't eat so much and wouldn't be so messy, we could keep him. But mom was firm. It's time to take Danny to his new home, she insisted. Go and get his cage. With one voice and in tearful outrage, the children shouted, Danny, we thought you said daddy. <laughs> See, this, this brings back some memories, huh? We had a couple hamsters. And Jonathan's hamster bit his mother on the cheek. Yeah. Because he brought the hamster to wish good morning to his mother in bed. She woke up quite suddenly, unexpectedly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they didn't, their, their, um, their end wasn't quite as good as Danny's here. They were in a cage one day, and, and we had the cage in the kitchen area. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys decided to restain the cabinets. Yeah. Little did we know the chemical effect of that, and we came in with our two hamsters with their feet up the next morning. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. That was the last of the hamsters in our home. Yeah. Hey, well, uh, we just want to honor you dads this morning. We thank you and just bless you and appreciate you and appreciate you as godly fathers. Amen. Yes. Those who stand and, and pray and believe and lead your families. We're just proud of you this morning and we want to really honor you and just share some things from our heart. Um, the Lord's been sharing with us. And I know Father's Day can be mixed emotions, as Pastor Carolyn said. Some of us have had different experiences with our father. Um, there's those of you who had a great father. I had a great father who, who grew up and gave you guidance and wisdom and loved you and provided for you and shaped your life and influenced you in a positive direction and encouraged you in the things of God. There's others who maybe your father wasn't serving God but was good, at least loved you. Then there's others whose father wasn't in your life. Maybe he was absent. Um, those who had a good father, who had a father who neglected, or you have different experiences, and so there's always different, different emotions on this day. But here this morning, we really want to celebrate our heavenly Father, yes, because He's faithful and He's a good, good Father. Amen. He's a good Father, and He's the giver of every good and perfect gift to us, His children. And so, just some, just some thoughts as we uh, read in uh, 
John and we're going to come back and forth sharing. Well, we've never done this before, so uh, unless you've first. watched our Life Together videos, I guess we've done that. Right. But yeah. this is the first time we've done this. So anyway. And, and Pastor Carolyn actually had this idea. She said, she, she had this thought the other day, but I believe it was from the Holy Spirit. She said, there's room at the Father's table. And that's the picture we're really trying to show this morning. Uh, why don't you read with us out of John 14, 7 through 10. If you had known me, Jesus said to the disciples, you would have known my Father also. For now you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Praise God. Uh, Jesus is here and he's continuing conversation with the disciples during the night of the Last Supper before the day of his crucifixion. And, when he, and uh, Judas has, has left um, to begin his betrayal and Jesus has just, thought, just told them he's, he would be leaving to a place they couldn't follow him to. They're confused. Peter has vowed he would follow him anywhere. He says, I'll lay down my life for you. And then Jesus, and Jesus in response says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so that's leading up to this. And then obviously their hearts are heavy. They're, they're in sorrow. They're dealing with this, this news that Jesus would be leaving them and Maybe there's this sense of abandonment. Maybe there's this sense of, hey, we left everything to follow you, Jesus. We've left all that we have to follow you. What's next? And so he brings encouragement and he brings comfort. And I think it's relevant to us this morning. If you have a troubled heart, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he says, for I go to prepare a place for you. My father has many dwelling places, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come and I will return. So there's the comfort. He says, believe in me. I'm going and I'm going to return. I'm coming back. How many know that's some good news this morning? Yes. I'm coming back. And then he says, you know where I'm going. And he says, and then Thomas chimes in. He says, how can we know the way? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. And then this conversation starts, and here we are with Philip. And, and Philip, Philip is an interesting, you may have been here a couple week, few weeks ago when Pastor, Minister Jose preached on uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And Philip is the tested one in that situation. But here we are again, and now it's Philip who's bringing the challenge, the request to Jesus. And, uh, you know, Philip... It goes, if you look at John 1, and 46, you see when Jesus called Philip, and he was one of the 12 disciples who was closest to Jesus. He had spent three years living with him and witnessing his miracles, hearing his teachings, demonstrations of Jesus' divinity. He had seen it firsthand in the flesh. His journey had started with two simple words. Jesus says, follow me, and Philip follows. 
Simple obedience, but he, he already knew who he was. It says in John 1, and 46, it goes through 46. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? I want you to see Philip's response. He says, Come and see come and see what an invitation i believe that's the invitation that god gives us come and see him and philip had philip had recognized the one that says that he he had read the law and the prophets he knew who he was he knew who moses had spoken of and so he recognized jesus to be the messiah and he said this is him nathaniel come on he's fulfilling the law and the prophets this is the man and so he clearly, uh, but then he brings this request in this passage in John 14. He says, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Right. So why would he ask that question, show us the Father? Um, now, some of the commentators that I've read kind of give Philip a little guff for asking these questions. But I think there's one thing about Philip that was very honorable, and that is he sought clarity. And he was not willing to pretend that he understood when he didn't understand. He would ask the question that would open the door so he could understand. And I want to encourage everybody here, it's, you know, keep asking questions till you understand. I believe the Lord wants us to understand. He wants us to see things clearly. And so, but the, we might reason with ourselves, you know, why was Philip asking, show us the Father? And I think one reason that Philip wanted to see the Father was he had seen the relationship between Jesus and the Father. He had heard so much about the Father. And as I was looking at the scripture, I realized that John emphasizes the father relationship with Jesus more than any of the other gospels. And this, so he's talking about this relationship and Jesus speaks of it in, in chapter five, verse 19, where he says, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, uh, but what he sees the father do, he, uh, he, that's what he does. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to those whom he will. Now, this is just a little picture into what Philip was experiencing on a continual basis as Jesus spoke of the relationship between Jesus and his father. He, he watched how close that relationship was. And he, he noticed that when Jesus prayed, what did he do? He cried out, Father, cried out father it was the a father relationship through which he prayed with through which he communed um also the the thing about the father relationship 
was that Philip had seen this. It was so simple. It was so direct. Because at times Jesus would lift up his eyes and just say, Father, glorify your name in me. I mean, he was, it wasn't like the Father was far away. There was a very close, intimate communion between Jesus and the Father. And Philip, I believe, was perceptive enough to realize that it was this direct communion with the Father that empowered the Son to do everything that he did. And so I think that is why that he wanted to know, show us the Father. And, and I think what this says to us this morning is that should be every one of us praying. Father, yes. we want to see you. We, Jesus, show us the Father. Show us this Father's love. Show us you, how your relationship with the Father worked, that we might have that Father relationship. In John 17, Jesus prayed for us. Yes. He says, I pray for those who will believe in you later on, and I pray that they, that, that same love that you've had for me will be in them. That as you and I are one, that they will be one with us and with one another. So the Lord, Philip could, had heard these things. He'd experienced these things. And he knew the power of this love relationship between Jesus and the Father. And I believe he wanted to know the secret in his own life. And, and I know he probably felt like there's something I'm missing here. <laughs> you know, there's something that's still missing. And most of us, if we're honest, at some point in our life, we're going to have that, Lord, there's something I don't understand about this. Amen. But what we need to know is the Lord wants us to know. He wants us to understand. And that understanding comes through the revelation of his love Amen. for us. Amen. The revelation of the Father's love for us. And I think if there's one thing the Lord would want the church to know today is that the power of his operation is through the love, the Father's love that he has for yes. us. Hallelujah. Amen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever, that's us, believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting love, I mean life, <laughs> Everlasting love, too. But yes. um, because that's the, qual the, the quantity of love and life flow together, basically. So that's not a bad slip of the lip there. But anyway, the, the thing is, is that this is a revelation of how the Father's love flowed. And it's even in that verse of John three sixteen, we see the nature of the Father who is so giving that he would give his only son. Yes. He would give his only son for our sake. How much he loved Jesus. But today, may we understand how much he loves us. That he would give us that perfect gift of love. Amen. I love this conversation. And you, you look back at John chapter 1 and verse 18. Uh, it says that no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He begotten of God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you look this up, he has explained him. The word, these words translate in the Greek to a metaphor of drawing out a narrative, unfolding a teaching, 
unfolding a revelation of the Father. That's what Jesus' life was, to unfold who the Father was, to reveal who the Father was. And Philip had seen this, and now he had a hunger, he had a desire for something that was missing. He goes, just, okay, we're in this moment of grief. We're in this moment of loss because you're leaving us. So just show us the Father, and that'll be sufficient. Show us the Father. And sometimes we are longing for an experience, and right before us, Jesus is already operating and trying to manifest in our life. He's already operating and trying to manifest in our life. He had seen the miracles and everything, and he goes, if you can't believe me, believe the works. Believe the works that I did, that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And so I know in my life, that's, I had been around Jesus. I had seen works. I had heard his words. But I did not have the relationship with the Father until I had that revelation of his love. Until that moment on a, on a Friday night in this altar when God's love just was poured out on me. And he reminded me, this is my love for you. This is my love for you. What you've experienced in the world is a counterfeit, but this is my love for you. And when that revelation comes, it's life-changing. Um, but there was something in Philip. So if you could, it'll, this will be sufficient if I can just see the Father. You've spoken so much of him. I want to see him. Yeah. It's like Moses' cry. Show me your glory. Yeah. Show me your glory. And we're speaking here of what your children need the most. I, just as Jesus came to reveal the Father to open up and and explain the nature and demonstrate the nature of the Father. I believe, men, that as fathers, we have been given an incredible opportunity, an amazing responsibility to show our children the love of a father, us, and through that, the love of the Father, there's a, there's a, we can transmit God's love for us to our children. The most important thing you can teach your children is God loves you. To God loves you. I was with our pastor Martin the day that he was diagnosed with cancer. And we were all just stunned and he was stunned But as we got on the elevator to walk out of the doctor's office where he had received this diagnosis, as as soon as the door closed on that elevator, Martin said, there's one thing I know. The Father loves me. God loves me. Amen. That's the most important thing we can know. There was a time in my own life, my father was a very wonderful man, very strong and good, godly man, and who took very good care of us as children and everything else. But he wasn't real verbal, and he wasn't always real affectionate. And uh, I remember one time after I was grown up and married, I was just, you know, because dad wasn't one to say, I love you a lot. Um, And I, you know, and I, I just was praying. I said, Lord, you know, that concerns me, you know, and, and uh, just as I was praying, it's like the Lord brought back a memory. And it was a memory of when I was about 10 years old, <laughs> and I'd been walking in some water that I shouldn't have been walking in, and I ruined my shoes. And when they dried out, the sole peeled off of my shoes. 
and uh, I had two flappers. And uh, anyway, uh, and uh, I had to go to my dad and tell him, Dad, I think I need some new shoes. But in this little bit of like a replay, a video replay of that instant, the Lord brought it back to my mind. And I remember my dad asking me, he'd taken me to the store and he'd gotten some new shoes on my feet. He says, now, John, just walk down the aisle and see if they're comfortable. And I was walking away from him a few steps, and the shoes felt good, and they felt like they fitted. And as I turned around, he was smiling at me. He had his knees crossed, and I could see the bottom of his shoes, and there was a hole in them. And it was the Lord saying, look, John, when he needed shoes, he bought shoes for you. And so that, in a sense, was probably the biggest I love you that I've ever gotten. In a sense, the Lord imparted that to me to show me that my father put me first. And, and just the sacrifices that he had made for me. And in, in, in that revelation was a revelation of God's love, of how he loves us and how he makes the sacrifices so we can have what we need. And then it puts before us the challenge to love one another as God has loved us, to love our children in that same manner, to love our wives in that same manner. And so I'm trying to say to you men, of all of the things that we should do or could do, I think the most important thing we do is the love that we have for our family, for our children. And that that becomes, that that's transmitted in a way they can understand it. And that's an important thing that I'm saying. Transmitted in a way that they can understand it in their language, in their size or whatever, so to speak, that they can receive it and know that the fa their father loves them. And then out of that is the basis for the father to begin to teach that child, God loves you even more than I do because we have our children for a limited time but they have the father's love for all time, time. Come on. and so that's this is a building place this is a this is a place to demonstrate and manifest the love of God and I I'm just I hope you men grab hold of this because you may not feel like a biblical scholar <laughs> you may not feel like the smartest man in the world yeah you know, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I made some huge mistakes. I was thinking about it this morning. I remember one time we were going on vacation and something didn't go just quite the way I wanted it to go. And I was mad, so mad. I burned with anger for three hours while I took my family on the first day of vacation. <laughs> you know, I remember I, this. I, I'd yeah. like to go back and Vividly. erase that memory, but especially from their brains. Because they didn't have a perfect father. But what, what I think is most important all is not us being perfect, no. but us making those children aware that they are loved. As I'm older, I never leave my children or my grandchildren without saying, I love you. Because it's important to communicate that. And I believe that's an open door for them to communicate the love of God as well. Powerful words. The need of our families is the Father revealed. And uh, I know some of the greatest moments with my kids, just sharing 
my less experienced fatherhood. But uh, were those moments where I've made a mistake as a father, Anyone, any dads in the house didn't handle a situation well. Um, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I went back to my child and said, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. Will you forgive me? And in those moments, what they see is God working in you. They see that you're a work in progress. How many know you're a work in progress? And we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't arrived. We've left, but we have not arrived. And we're still working on being great dads and great fathers to our family and great husbands. But when those moments come, when we humble ourselves and we allow that teachable moment, and for them to see you humbled, it makes a way for them to learn how to humble themselves before Father God. Amen. Need of our, so number one, the need of our families is the Father revealed. Um, Dwight L. Moody said this, I believe the family was established long before the church, and my duty is to my family first. I am not to neglect my family. Amen? Um, you know, and when you were talking about being fathers, there's a scripture in 1 John that says, as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world, and so we are to represent as fathers to our kids the Father, and to reveal to him, just as Jesus did to the disciples, that his, his character, his love, his, his grace, and his teaching, right? And in Deuteronomy, it says uh, in chapter 6, verse 6, I was re reminded of this, these words which I am commanding you today, the Lord says to Israel, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now this doesn't mean, I'm going to say something, it doesn't mean you're giving sermons throughout the day. Come on. But there are moments, teachable moments with your kids where you can share and relate what God is doing in your life to your kids. And it's powerful. And this goes for both fathers and mothers. When we, those, when we, what the Lord is doing in us, when we share that with them and um, share those moments, I know just even conversations about what they're encountering at school. See, I need to know. I need the 411 on what my kids are going through at school. I need the 411 about what their families are, what their friends are saying. I need to know. I need to be involved. Come on, parents. This is so much even more important in this generation when they have all these modes of communication, they're exposed to so many things that I am in, I'm compelled to be way more as involved as possible and to know what they're seeing and to talk these things through with them, what they're experiencing and, and give us understanding. And I, let me just say this, um, is I, I think one of the most important things I can say to fathers and to parents is you want to know everything. You know, when Ezekiel saw the Lord, he saw the wheel within the wheel, and the wheels all had eyes all over the place, looking everywhere all the time in all of these directions. And I, I suppose that some of you mothers and fathers have said at some point in your life, I wish I had eyes in the back of my head. <laughs> um, I thought mom did, but... Uh, well... Um, we got smart. Jonathan, we, we, we're very thankful for Jonathan. Jonathan made us smart. Because uh, when Jonathan started his shenanigans at age 15. It's about 13. Uh, 13. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness, it was longer than <laughs> I thought. Back. Anyway, um, but uh, truth overwhelms me. Yeah. But uh, the uh, the thing is, is is when he first started acting up, you know, Judy and I just tried to be optimistic, and you know, and we were we were trying to look for the best, and we were slow to believe the worst. Several people tried to tell us what he was up to, and you know, somehow it just didn't ding our bells. And eventually it became obvious what he was up to. And so uh, then uh, we, we went and we asked our spiritual mentors, Pastor uh, Doug and Patricia Rutherford, you know, what, what should we do here? And they said, first of all, just uh, pray that he will bind him as, a, as parents. Use your authority to bind him to the will of God, which we started doing. And the other thing was they told us, pray that he won't get away with anything. He'll get in trouble. That he will get in trouble every time he does something that he shouldn't be doing because the worst thing he can do is get away with something. Come on. So we started praying that and that he would get away with nothing, that he would get caught every time he did something wrong. And then Judy and I add to it a third prayer, and we said, Lord, we have not been paying attention, and we want to know everything he's up to. We want to know everything he's up to. And uh, that's the end of denial and the beginning of reality. But uh, the Lord began to open our eyes. <laughs> but God, we're, we thank God, amen, for his wisdom but the thing is, as parents, we need to be in the know. Love is not afraid to look. Yeah. Love is not afraid to look. Love is light, and love can help you see what there is out there to see. Amen. And even if it's maybe not something so pleasant, you can't really pray about it with any insight or intelligence unless you know what it is that you're praying for. That's right. And so, uh, anyway, that's, that's one thing, like I say, we, we're, we're thankful, uh, one, for what the Lord did in our life, but we're also thankful for what we learned because it came in useful when our other children came <laughs> along as well. So, uh, you, you live and you learn, right. Jonathan. Yes. <laughs> Little did he know uh, what that ask would cost him in terms of sleep. Yeah. The Lord mm -hmm. you know, said he's, what he's up to now, but... Uh, he was tested for sure, and um, I thank God for them because from my perspective, my experience in this was they drew a line, and they said, this is how, for, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And, and if you're going to live in this household, you're going to serve the Lord or, and, and, and uh, follow the rules. And, <laughs> and if you're not, then out. And that may seem harsh to you, but to me, it was a line I could come back to. It was a line I could come back to. And so when we, when we really declare and we say, you know, this is, this is what we're going to do in our household. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's power in that. And you might, and maybe in those moments of rebellion when I was up to my own ways and, and, and lost and, and doing my own thing, they may have thought, well, I don't know if this is working, but when, when things got, when things came to an end, how many know sin, sin is good for a season, but then it gets bad. Mm -hmm. The effects of sin start to kick in. The wages of sin start to kick. You have to pay up. Come on. You got to begin to pay up. And when you begin to pay up, it's not fun. 
And when that started to happen, I realized how much I had wasted and squandered the, my life and, and the, you know, what God's purpose and plan for my life. I had a line to come back to you. And there was the father. We don't have it up. We don't, the curtains are closed. But there was the father with open arms waiting for me. Because they, they illustrated that in my life. They lived that in my life. And that's what I had to come home to. And so I was never rejected. That's another thing that uh, the Lord taught us and that we also got from our mentors is don't ever be ashamed of your children. Even when you don't like what they're doing, don't ever be ashamed of your children. And, um, you know, and, and I, I told Jonathan, I said, no matter what you do, I love you and you're going to always be my son. But I'm not always going to agree with you when you're not doing the right thing. <laughs> He wasn't ashamed, but I did leave him speechless for three days one time. I can remember he would just look at me across the room and just go. <laughs> and he demonstrated a tremendous self-control not to go off. And, uh, and I, I used to wonder during timeouts. Anyone else had timeouts? Or you go to your room because... He, he dealt with his children differently. For me, going to my room was, a, was torture because I was an extrovert. And he would sit in my room and just, oh, what people? And, uh, and sometimes I felt like they've forgotten I'm up here. But I realized there was a process going on then that they were trying to get to a equilibrium before they came and dealt with me. Did not be angry <laughs> and sin. <laughs> and so they, they were just coming to a place of peace before they dealt with me. And I, I, now as a father, I realize how important that is. Carolyn's like, okay, just go wait, wait. Let him go up to his room. And, uh, there's times when you have to do that. How many, amen, parents? You've got to just sit back and go, all right, I'm going to get my peace before I address this situation. Um, in terms of making him known to our families, I love what it says in 1 John 1. One through three, it says, what was from the beginning that we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was manifested and he would, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us that we have seen and heard and we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. Amen. Yeah. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So sharing the experience that you've had with the Lord, with your kids, the testimony of what God's done, declaring his works. Yeah. Now we have nine grandchildren. Uh, when we get together, there is a new demand. And it is, Papa, tell us a story. They want to hear the stories. They want to especially hear the stories about their parents, which we uh, try to censor and only uh, give the abridged version too, so we don't give them any ideas, but uh, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, they they want to know, and and what I have found that they want to know more than anything else is they want to know the things that we have seen and know of the Lord. They love to hear the miracle stories. Papa, tell us another story. Papa, tell us another story. 
They want to hear what God has done. Amen. And so these are the precious things, I believe, that, that we have to give to our children. And, uh, you know, this isn't, uh, in our society, we kind of let everything out there kind of inform us and entertain us. But I believe there's a place at the family table where you can commune with your children and you can talk about things that they need to know about. Amen. Because part of parenting and, and a very important part of parenting is preparing our children to face life. And as you share your experience with them, you are sharing information that they need, but you're also modeling because people, our children need an example. They don't just need to be talked to. They need to see it. They need to have it shown to them so they can see it. And this is the most important thing. And, and just as we seek the Lord, help me, Lord, show and demonstrate that reality and set an example for my children. But write down your stories. You know, I, I'm very thankful. I have in a file my parents' stories because they went to a mission. They went on a mission field for 10 years, or 15 years, I guess. But before they could go, part of their training process was to write down their stories so that they could have their testimony. So I have a typewritten document of about 10 pages from my father and my mother of their story. And it helps me every once in a while just go back and to read that. And so, but I'm telling you what you have, what the Lord has given you, you can share with them. You know, that's what they need and that is what they want. And that will help them immeasurably. Amen. And the testimonies of God are more interesting than YouTube. Come on. Absolutely. It's okay. Interrupt there, YouTube. It's good. Uh, Psalm 145 says, uh, verse 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and yes. shall declare your mighty acts. See, we've got to create a hunger in this generation for the, for the things of God. And, it's, and I believe we, this generation is facing a crisis. Mm -hmm. Some statistics show that we're looking at in Gen Z as low as 4% of Gen Z attending church Christ believers. We're reaching, we're reaching an epidemic of godlessness in this generation. One other thing to think about, in, in, in previous generations, homosexuality was um, below 3 4%. In this generation, they estimated it at one-sixth. Oh, 16%. So we have a crisis. We need to have a generation that is in need of knowing the works of God and his testimony and his word. And so it's, 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 it's incumbent upon us as parents and as those who have seen God work to share the testimonies of God with our children. Build their expectation and their faith through sharing what God has done in your life. Amen? Amen? And so number two is the need of this generation is the Father revealed. Uh, we have a generation plagued with fatherlessness and father wounds. And there's a deep cry in their heart, just like Philip, show us the Father. Mm -hmm. And they may not know that cry is there, but they have that cry. Show us the Father. 
And Jesus showed, them, showed the world the Father through his works, through the signs and wonders and miracles and declaring the, the kingdom of God. And so I believe there's a cry in this generation that, that for a, a reali- reality of the Father. Show us who he is, and it will suffice. Demonstrate the love of the Father. Demonstrate the works of the Father to this generation. I mean, this is, there's a desperate cry, and, and this is a generation that's in an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. Right. They don't know who they've been called to be. They're born in the image of God, but they're fallen image bearers. And as, as fallen image bearers, we have three things that we really seek in our life. That according to uh, Dr. Crabb, he says this, and I love it. He says it's relationship, it's significance, and it's security. And when we don't find these things in the Lord as fallen image bearers, we go try to find them elsewhere. And what we're seeing is a generation that's finding its passion in these causes and these things that are not of God. And what they need is an encounter with the Lord, an encounter with His presence, an encounter with the love of the Father so that they can really discover the God, their God-given purpose and destiny. Amen? And so, you know, it's the Father who confers identity. When Jesus was baptized, you heard the voice, the heavens opened up, and behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And how many know that when Jesus was baptized, he came out of those waters, there's the, 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 the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon him, and he was immediately sent out into the wilderness to be tested. And what was the test? Are you a Are son? You really son? Are you really a son? Are you really a son? And so we as parents are conferring to the next generation the identity as sons and daughters of the Most High. And that has to be affirmed over and over and over and over until it becomes known in their hearts that this is who I really am. This is who God says I am. You know, I can, I can see in my own life, when we talk about that in my own life, the, you know, running away from the Lord, there was in me a, a search for identity, and I tried to find it in relationships, and I tried to find it in, in my pursuits and so forth, but I realized I was empty. What was ringing out to me during those times was all the, all the prophetic words over my life. All the prophetic words over my life. Because Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, at least believe the words that I speak are not of my own initiative. At least believe the, work, the works that I do. So I was reminded of the words. I was reminded of the affirmation of my parents. I was reminded of prophetic words. I was reminded of the works of God. If I was out and about and partying and somebody mentioned God, I had to leave the room because of the conviction. Because I had seen the works of God. I was like Philip, but didn't have a relationship. Have you not known me? Have you not known me? You've been with me this long and you don't know me? And yet there's many Christians who have been around Jesus but still don't know him. This is eternal life, to know him. This is eternal life, him and the Father, the one whom he sent. And so... Uh, they need identity. They need affirmation. You know, when, when you've got a generation that's dealing with so many broken fathers who have passed on that brokenness, that dysfunction to the next generation, they need to know words of affirmation, just like Jesus heard. I am well pleased with you. I am well pleased. 
God's love for you is not dependent on, your, uh, on how good you've been or how bad you've been. Come on, somebody. It's on you. He values you. He's placed a value on you, and that value is beyond what any price this world could pay. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus, his own son he gave for the value of your life. And see, they don't, they don't even know that they're valued. They don't even know what God's done for them. How will they know except a preacher be sent and declare that? They need that affirmation. Um, they are valued and loved because of the Father. And there's a lack of discipline. How many know we are in a lawless generation? And the very thing they need the most, they reject because it says in Hebrews 12, 6, for the, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. But how many know God's discipline in our life? The Father's discipline in our life is for our good. For our good. He, and it's not, it's, it may be harsh at times, but we know it's for our good because he loves us and his intentions for us are good and his purpose in our life is good. And we've got a generation that needs to know that somebody cares enough to discipline, to bring that correction and love in their life. They lack guidance and direction. A generation without purpose, without direction, will find misplaced passions. Um, and in Psalm 32, 8 and 9, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. And so God leads us. He counsels us with his eyes. And we have a generation that is in need of that counsel. And fo folks, we have it. We have the mind of Christ. Come on. We've got something to share with them, the wisdom of who God is. Amen. And as a church, we need to understand very clearly that this generation, more than anything else, needs a revelation a revelation of the love of the Father. And we tend to have, give people information. We try to give people understanding, but they need revelation. They need to, like Philip, they want to see it. See it. I mean, Philip had heard it, but he wanted to see it. And I'm just saying this is a generation that needs to see it and there's a I want to emphasize the power of revelation because revelation comes from the Lord it comes supernaturally and suddenly your spiritual eyes are open and you begin to see once I was blind but now I see amen and seeing is important more important than hearing we have so many ways to transmit information but the church is the only way of transmitting revelation we are here to reveal the father to reveal the love of the father revelation is more important in in first corinthians 14 paul says if you're prophesying and speaking uh, things of god and someone has a revelation let the prophet sit down and let the person with a revelation Share the revelation, because seeing is better than hearing. Thank God for hearing. Faith comes by hearing 
But seeing comes by revelation. And when we see something, we begin to really partake of it. And what this world needs is not re just revelational. It's also relational. It has to come through relationship. Through relationship. The church needs, this generation needs spiritual fathers. The church needs spiritual fathers. Amen. This is getting involved, having relationship. I just felt the Lord speaking to me. John, give two hours every week to some young man to be a spiritual father. And I feel like God saying, be a spiritual father. Father the children. Father this generation. Amen. Without that fathering relationship, they are going to die. I am who I am because of some incredible spiritual fathers. Amen. People who spoke into my life. People who were relating to me in a way that I could understand. Amen. And I owe so much to so many. But I am thankful for the spiritual fathers God gave to me. Paul emphasizes that in Corinthians. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. What did he call them? Beloved children. Beloved children. Beloved children. For if you were to have count for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you be imitators of me. And in Second Timothy he speaks to Timothy, one of his spiritual sons. Now you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, Faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endure, and out of all of them the Lord rescued me. This is Paul's testimony to Timothy. Yeah. I have been your example. I have been your testimony. You can be, you imitate me, follow me. Amen. That's the cry of a spiritual father. Amen. People need people they can follow. I used to be a salesman and I hated salesmen. So I was not a very good salesman because I didn't believe in it. <laughs> and uh, anytime I wanted to buy something, I avoided the salesman and went and looked for what I wanted and bought it without his help. But uh, one day I was there, and the Lord just spoke to me clear as a bell. He says, John, you don't have trouble making decisions, but a lot of people need help making decisions, and you're here to help them make a good decision. And so that day I became a real salesman because it wasn't about them buying something. It was about me helping them to understand what they needed and how they could get it. And so the thing is, is I'm, I'm telling you, that that's what the world needs is it may be maybe you've got it but they need help they need that example they need that encouragement praise god how many know as the church we're all part of the youth ministry we're all part of the youth ministry right jose right. 
Youth ministry is not a department. It's not a, a separate box. It's part of who we are as a church. We're embracing this generation. We're embracing these kids. That's our vision and that's our heart because this is a crisis. And I believe God's challenging us this morning on Father's Day. Who can we invest in? I believe in every person's life we need a Paul, we need a Barnabas, and we need a Timothy. We need a Paul, somebody who's mentoring us, somebody who we're looking to, who we're going to, who we have that relationship. I thank God for the spiritual fathers in my, house, in my life. I can't, I, there's so many I can't count them all. But they all invested in me. They all took time out of their busy schedules to come and love on me and to pray for me and to encourage me in following the Lord and to encourage me in, 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 in the calling and the gifts of God. And I wouldn't be here today without them. See, your words, your encouragement have power in people's lives. You may be sitting there going, I don't know what I would tell them. But you serve God. You love God. Share with them the testimony of what God's done in your life. Encourage them. Begin to ask God to open, give you a revelation, open the eyes of our heart to see who he's called them to be and begin to pray and intercede over them. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many this morning would take up that challenge over our young people and say, they are, the enemy can't have them. We're taking back the land. It's ours. And we, de- we, de- we say, this is our, our land for the kingdom of God. Yeah. That he cannot steal and abort the purposes of God in this generation, but that we're going to come in and surround them and we're going to begin to love on them and we're going to begin to encourage them we're going to begin to come into uh, every service and every gathering and say who's a young person i can encourage in the lord they've been i've been through some stuff maybe i can help them we're all part of this these kids need you this generation needs you and i believe the lord's heart this morning is to crawl is a cry unto us will you grab hold of my heart for this generation 1 John 2, 12 through 14 says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. Come on. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. What's this saying? We're family. Right. And we got kids, and we got young men, and we've got spiritual fathers. And how many know the kids don't become young men unless there's a spiritual father in their life encouraging them? For that progression from that place of immaturity and just drinking milk of the word, but coming to a place of maturity in the Lord and beginning to grow and understand how they can overcome the evil one, to grow in faith. Amen? We want a generation that learns to overcome and win and defeat the battle with the enemy. And that takes spiritual fathers and those who will invest in their lives, exhorting them in the way that, speaking into their lives, exhorting them personally in the way they should go, in the way that God has created them with their gifts and talents, his callings and purpose for their lives. Sam, if you could come up. And I just want to share as as we come to a close this morning, and thank you for letting us share. I just believe God's heart this morning is, is for us to know the Father's love, but also to get hold of his heart for this generation. But this is a poem by Edgar A. Guest, who lived from 1881 to 1959, and it was called Sermons We Can See. He says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. Yeah. 
The eyes of better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. I was so struck by little Moffy's testimony. precious I I hear my dad's voice worshiping the Lord in the morning how many know that's an example I know all those other dads do that too but I want them to see my relationship with the father I want them to see my love for him, my worship, my praise, my intimacy with him. It's the greatest impression I can leave on them because I could talk to them all day, but when they see it lived, when they see the love of God demonstrated, patience, grace, mercy, sometimes we run out. When we walk in the spirit, we never run out. Fathers, I'm just here to encourage you this morning. To encourage you because God is for you. God is with you. You have the greatest job in the planet to raise a family. The greatest ministry is to your family. I have these moments in the morning when I'm praying and seeking the Lord. My kids come in and they'll just sit with me. And I just go, thank you, God, that they can do this. But not just this moment, but Lord, let my life be a testimony to them even during the day, even in traffic, even in the frustrating moments. (laughs) Not just in that morning time. Let them see a life sold out for you so much that they get this cry in their heart, show me the Father. Show me the Father. Can I just have the dads in here stand this morning? We want to to pray with you. Church, can we do that? Why don't you just stretch your hands towards these men? Father, this morning we are so thankful. We're thankful for your your faithfulness. Thankful for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that even we're faithless, you are faithful. Lord, we acknowledge this morning as dads, we don't always get it right. But we thank you this morning that your grace is sufficient for us. When we look at these precious lives that you've entrusted us with, God, they are like our hearts running around separated from our body.
Father, we just ask for your grace. Yes, Lord. We come before you. We come yes. boldly before your throne Lord, of grace yes. and mercy, God. We recognize, we acknowledge that the tremendous attack against families today, against children, against this generation to abort your purpose, God. So I pray for these fathers who've been entrusted with their households to be priests and prophets and kings in their houses, God. God, that you would strengthen them, that you would bring a fresh anointing this morning upon them, that they would be encouraged and strengthened, God, that they would give, you would give them eyes to see, to speak prophetically to their families, Lord. You give them the heart, Lord. You ever limit to make intercession for us. Let them be the priest between the porch and the altar on behalf of their families, God. That they would fight the good fight of faith. That they would not grow weary in well-doing, God. God, with your mercy and your grace, Lord, we failed, Lord, that you would bring forgiveness and grace and restoration, Lord, and you begin to set us on the right path this morning to be the men of God you've called us to be. Lord, let them hear your voice this morning that says, this is my son in whom I will pleased. Let them know your pleasure, your affirmation. Let them grow in the knowledge of you and in the revelation of who you are. Let them be strengthened in the power of your might. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for them and we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless them. We thank you, Lord. Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. May you be refreshed. May you be encouraged this yes. morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our fathers. And Father, we as a church, let's all stand for just a moment. Amen. Let's pray for spiritual fathers. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, right now, we ask you by your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. And Lord, we ask you to raise up. We have so many godly men among us, some who are incredible, wonderful, spiritual fathers. But Lord, I pray that you would make every person in this room a spiritual parent. Lord, a father or a mother, to someone, Lord, who needs your love in a way they can understand it, who needs to experience you with flesh on, that they can be to somebody, Lord, what that person needs in their life. Lord, that they would be willing to be a teacher. They would be willing to be a trainer. They would be willing to be an example. They would be willing to be an intercessor. They would be willing to be involved. They would be willing, Lord, to pay a cost if there is a cost. Lord, to help that person. Lord, experience the knowledge of your love and to find their purpose for you, your purpose for their lives. Lord, we come this morning 
We ask and we call upon you to raise up spiritual leaders for this generation and for the one to come. We especially pray, Lord, for those who are young, for this next generation that's coming forth, the youth and the young adults. And Lord, we pray, Lord, we pray not just for a continuing, but for an increase. Lord, do more in them. Do greater things in them. Lord, we pray. Lord, raise them up by the power of your Spirit. Give birth, Lord, to a new movement of the revelation of the Father's love in this day and in this generation. Lord, your mercy endures to every generation. Your grace endures to every situation. Your love is like an ocean that never will run dry. Let your ocean of love flow over this generation, Lord, and let them experience the love of the Father as you did, and you've caused us to experience it. Lord, we want it for others. Here we are. Lord, use us. Let us be what this generation needs, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.